welcome listeners to the latest edition of Flipping the Switch, a podcast brought to you by Jones Oslo EMC. We've got a great show for you today. We're going to be starting things off with uh, Jones Onslow's own safety manager, Chris Banks, and uh, he's going to be talking with uh, Linda Mathison about hurricane preparedness and uh, safety tips. We're right in the midst of hurricane season right now, and actually our area is really active season. So Chris is going to give you some uh, tips about hurricane preparedness and generator safety. And then following that, Crystal Phillips will be talking with uh, Curtis Helt, who is with Onslow Literacy, and uh, just a, a great organization here in Onslow County that works with folks uh, who maybe have difficulties uh, reading. Encourage you to stay tuned and listen to that because it's a it's a it's a very heartfelt conversation that um, they have. Uh, in between those, I'll be kind of plugging in about what's going on with the co-op and a couple of things that that we've got happening um, right now. So, without further ado, let's start flipping the switch. Hurricane season extends from June 1st through November 30th, and with next month, September being National Preparedness Month, we thought it'd be a good time to talk with our safety manager, Chris Banks, to raise awareness about the importance of being prepared for disasters and emergencies that could happen at any time at home and here at Jones Onslow. Welcome, Chris. Good morning. Chris, we're pretty much right in the middle of hurricane season, and we've been fortunate so far this year, and the past several years for that matter. Um, Though we have dodged the bullet, we can't let our guard down and get too relaxed when it comes to being prepared, correct? That's correct. And being prepared and staying safe can mean the difference between life and death. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, ma'am. So here at Jones Onslow, we take safety and being prepared for storms seriously, not just this time of year, but every single day throughout the year. Chris, can you tell our listeners about the various safety measures that they should take to be prepared before, during, and after storms? Yes, Before a storm, uh, everyone should pick up loose objects in your yard, stock up on supplies like non-perishable foods, water, first aid kits, battery-powered radios, flashlights, and extra batteries. You should watch the news to see what is predicted for your area. Decide if you should evacuate or if it's safe for you to stay home. Board up windows and doors to prevent damage. And determine a safe area in your home to take shelter if needed. During the storm, you should continue to watch the news or listen to the radio for updates. Stay away from doors and windows. If power is lost, turn off and unplug any appliances. If flooding nears your home, turn off electricity at the main breaker. Stay inside until the storm is over. And then after the storm... When power restores to your home, do not start all major appliances at once. Turn them on gradually to reduce damage to sensitive equipment. Avoid all downed, damaged, or loose power lines and report them. And stay away from floodwaters. Real quick, you know, I have to chime in. So this came up last week in a meeting that we were having down power lines. Yes. Members should or members whomever, whoever the public should make the assumption that a down power line 
is energized, correct? That's correct. That should be the default. If they see a down power line, they shouldn't assume that if there's a power, even if the power is out all around them, that's right. That's right. <laughs> they they should make the assumption that that power line is energized and getting close to that could be a life or death situation for them. That's right. And you also want to make sure that if you have trees laying on these lines, that you do not try to clean that up yourself. Our crews, when they respond, they will clean those trees off those lines to repair those lines. Uh, like Steve just said, those lines could be energized. And if you are touching a tree that is touching that line, you could feel a, a shock or be injured from that. So please let us take the debris off the lines. And not to be morbid, but it could actually kill them too. That's right. That's right. So having emergency, um, being prepared for storms and emergencies is really important. Um, you mentioned the supplies, having a supply, um, emergency supplies at home. And we don't know how long people are going to be out of the power. So having your supply of food, water um, to survive, I mean, has to get you through sometimes days, sometimes weeks. I mean, we hope it doesn't last that long, but with Florence, we did experience that. Or a lot of people experienced they were that power for weeks, and a lot of people were not prepared when it came to you know, food and water supplies to get them through those times. Yes. And also, um, during Florence, a lot of phone lines were out, whether they were landlines or mobile lines, and communication was really hard for a lot of people. And I think it's also important to have a communication plan, have contact numbers, whether it's, you know, share that list now. Don't wait until the storm hits because you don't know um, if you're going to have, you know, cell service or landline service, whoever has, you know, people that have landlines now to communicate. And during Florence, I recall a lot of people couldn't find out if their loved ones were safe or not. So get those numbers in place, get your supplies in order, um, and also check your insurance coverage before the storm, not during the storm, because once that storm is approaching, the insurance companies probably are not going to adjust your policies and damages caused by flooding aren't usually covered underneath your normal homeowner's policy. That's right. And evacuation plans are important too. And, um, all, you know, you should always follow the instructions from local officials Evacuate if you're told to do so. Don't try and be here and ride out the storm. It could be a matter of life or death. So one question before we close out. Um, you and I were on a radio show, I don't know, three or four weeks ago. And the topic obviously was 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 hurricanes and preparedness and this and that. And every time we go on the radio show with Rayford, this was your first experience. We our, our 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 previous uh uh guest that I took with me uh, has retired. So I took you and you were first, you were exposed to it. Um, but they want to know about generator safety. Linda mentioned, um, we hope that you aren't out with power for, you know, weeks, but some things, sometimes you, I mean, you just never know. Um, some things can be beyond our circumstances. Um, and the folks that were without power for that amount of time during Florence, it was because of flooding issues. We could, we couldn't, we could see the power lines down. We couldn't get to get to them and and repair them. So generators do play an important part, whether it's a portable generator that you uh, fill up with, with, you know, you move around, put in, in a ventilated space or whatever, or even a potentially a standby generator, obviously cost quite a bit more than a portable generator. Really quickly, a couple minutes, just talk about generator safety and using them both portable and or standby. 
Yes, sir. <clears throat> Portable generators um, are just that. You can move them around. You can plug your appliances into those generators. We recommend that you use an extension cord. Um, do not plug your generator directly into your house. Uh, that will cause backfeed on the electric system, which can actually hurt uh, or kill the line workers that are trying to restore your power. Uh, you definitely want to use safe safety when using your portable generators. Like Steve said, you want to make sure it's in a well-ventilated area. When your generator runs out of fuel, you want to allow that generator to cool down before you refuel it. Um, your standby generators, they are supposed to be, if wired up correctly, they are supposed to have a transfer switch so that when your standby generator comes on, it actually disconnects from the meter, which would send electricity back onto the power system, power grid. Um, so continue to use your safe practices when using your portable generators to protect the employees here at Jones Onsley working on the power lines. And I would just add to that, um, if you have any questions, if you're listening to this and you have any questions whatsoever about a portable generator, a standby generator, how it needs to be hooked up, Chris, they can call the office and ask to speak with you, right? Yes, sir. Chris Banks, he's our safety manager. Uh, we would rather there is no dumb question as it relates no, to <laughs> this, especially from the, from the safety perspective. So we just encourage you, you know, folks, to if there's any questions you have whatsoever to uh, call us. We're here to answer questions. Chris is here to answer questions uh, because it, as mentioned, Linda mentioned it, Chris mentioned it, it could be a matter of of, of life or death for our employees when um, they're out, you know, restoring power. That's right. Uh, we do preach safety here at Jones Onslow. Uh, we are passionate about it, uh, but not only do we want the safety for our employees, but for our members as well. So please stay safe. Well, Chris, let's hope and pray we don't have any hurricanes this year. Um, we've been fortunate, like I said, for the past couple of years. I'm afraid we're going to get one here in the next year or two. But one thing we can be sure is that we know we are going to be prepared. That's right. Yes, ma'am. Well, thank you, Chris. Um, stay safe and have a great day. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Looking for ways to trim your electric bill? Check out Jones Onslow's updated energy-saving calculators. You'll get energy-saving scenarios that pinpoint opportunities for savings for appliances, televisions, heat pumps, and more. You'll see the difference in usage from the previous month and previous year. For an estimate of energy use costs based on your inputs, visit joemc.com, click on Energy Center, and then Home Energy Calculators. All right, now let's move into what's happening. So it's September, and that means fall is quickly approaching on our doorsteps. And with the change in season, it brings a sense of excitement. Friday night football games are back. The kids are busy doing homework, which we know they love. And you may even be able to open your windows to enjoy some crisp fall breeze. One more thing comes to, comes with the, with the new month, a new list of helpful tips and information from JOMC. So let's get going. First, have you heard the news? JOMC has a home energy calculators. We're looking for ways to trim our monthly expenses, and finding ways to save on your electric bill is always good. 
when you visit joemc.com backslash energy center, you will find numerous calculators to include for your home use. These include TV, appliances, electric vehicles, lighting, heat pumps, and many more. These tools can help you learn where your energy dollars are going. So visit joemc.com backslash energy center today. Now, let's talk about storm, storm preparedness. September is National Preparedness Month, and JAMC wants to know, are you prepared if a storm arrives? If not, or if you need just a refresher, here are some tips. Make a plan. Talk to your friends and family about how you will communicate before, during, and after the storm. Build a kit. Gather supplies that will, be, that will last for several days after a disaster for everyone living in your home. And don't forget to consider the unique needs each person or pet may have. Prepare for disasters. Limit the impact that disasters have on you and your family. Know the risk of disasters in your area and check your insurance coverage. Learn how to make your home stronger in the face of storms and other common hazards. And act fast if you receive a local warning or alert. Next, teach your children about preparedness. Talking to your kids about preparing for emergencies and what to do in case you are separated. Reassure them by providing information about how they can get involved. Lastly, Joe Zonzo is happy to bring Touchstone Tailgate back to local high schools near you. Join Joe Zonzo employees this fall at select high school football games in our area for free hot dogs, games, and prizes before kickoff. Visit joemc.com for a full list of event dates. And that's what's happening around the co-op. September 23rd through October 2nd is National Drive Electric Week. Electric vehicles offer a better driving experience with reduced emissions. Jones Onslow has partnered with other cooperatives across North Carolina to build a charging network that allows EV drivers to travel throughout our state. This network includes two Level 2 EV charging stations installed at our headquarters in Jacksonville and the Hampton Inn in Sneeds Ferry. Interested in learning more? Visit ncdriveelectric.com. Well, in this portion of our monthly podcast, we have the pleasure to have Curtis Hilt with us, and he is with the Onslow Literacy Council. So we're going to do a little bit um, of facts and data in the community, learn a little bit about Curtis and all the good things they're doing at the Literacy Council. So let's get started. Okay. So Curtis, can you tell us a little bit about your background and kind of how you got to Onslow County? Yeah, I came here as a Marine several years ago and then retired from the Marine Corps and, and then started teaching at Coastal Carolina Community College. But uh, before that, um, I was a poor reader. So when I got out of the Marine Corps, I wanted to be a, learn why it was I couldn't and other people couldn't learn uh, about reading. So I went on in um, East Carolina and got my master's degree in as a reading specialist. And consequently, from Coastal, um, I met many and became the core, kind of the coordinator between coastal basic skills and the literacy council and then became a member and then went up to now become the, the president of the council which is a, a lot it's a of, huge job it's it's a, a lot of responsibility i think your background just kind of fell right into place to where you are today <clears throat> so once you arrived in the community how what it sounds like basic skills was really the window to get you into the literacy council. Yeah. 
So can you tell us a little bit about the services that the council offers to the community? Well, yeah, it's simply and what got in was it. And when I first started Coastal, um, I had an 84-year-old lady who lived out in Maysville, and she owned a successful trucking company. And when she could spell mop and map for the first time in her life, first words she's ever been able to read herself, it broke my heart. Absolutely. So I volunteered there for the entire time going through college. And then um, when, I ret- when I retired, I worked there 20, almost 21 years total in, uh, at Coastal. And it just led me right into basic skills because uh, there's such a need in the community. It's an untapped need because there's such a need in the community for um, adults who can't read. I just looked at some statistics the other day that in Onslow County, approximately 17% of the population of Onslow County adults cannot read past the third grade level. Which is shocking, yeah. If you can straight those numbers, that's about 57,000 people, which um, really, really surprised me. And they're not being... They are not coming forward um, because they're embarrassed. And so this, um, by working with readers, it, it's kind of given them a little step up to help them become um, bonafide, not bonafide, but um, good citizens who now can read the ballot. They can read their medicine bottles uh, and, uh, and just other things that it, it enables them to do. You just have well, their standard of life too is increased. I would think yeah. you're able to carry on just like normal activities. Absolutely. Are, so, what are some of the services that the council offers to the community? Well, we offer all services ESL. Um, I don't restrict anyone at all from if they come in and say I can't read it. We're going to go ahead and test them and get them started reading. So we work um, ESL. We work regular students. Um, anyone who walks in and, and that has a disability. Um, we actually have tied in with uh, MENAC, who works with junior high kids in oh, wow. at risk so that um, they don't um, become risk at adults. That's great because you're starting at an early point in their life. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. I'm going to chime in real quick. You said ESL. That's English English as a second, second language, language, correct? Okay. Yeah, some people call it ESOL. But we, we're oh. English as a second language. Good, thank you. Um, yeah, because – Parents, it's, it's a fact. Parents that don't read to their kids, the kids become challenged in reading later on. And it becomes a, a self-fulfilling prophecy is that um, they don't like reading and they don't read, like to read because they don't read well and they don't read well because they don't read. Mm-hmm. And so it becomes a vicious circle that we try to get them out of them, get them uh, some enjoyment uh, in reading. Well, it seems like you're like sparking a joy for those kids and as adults because it is – a you know, being able to read and opening up a book can transcend you to so many places and teach you so much. So Open it's a life skill that's necessary. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like if a person is looking for these services, how would they, you know, sign up and how does that process work? Well, it's a very process because most cases, because the, the shyness of these people and if they don't want, they, they normally find someone who they trust Mm-hmm. And that person gradually gets them to a place where we sit down one-on-one and talk with them in privacy. All our programs are one-on-one in privacy. We don't have any. I um, think that's right a now. huge thing it's to know. Benefit. We don't have any classrooms because we go at any time. Um, mm-hmm. Our students meet with a tutor at a time designated by them and the tutor. Okay. It's long anywhere in the community as long as it's a safe location. We won't let them do it in their home or the patients or the, the students' home. But anywhere um, we, we find a safe space, we'll do it there in privacy so that it's just a tutor and that teacher and a tut- and student. And they become 
friends to absolutely partnership because yeah. um, they're learning, and as they're growing, um, you can see them expounding in, in things that they probably wouldn't do before. Mm-hmm. It's scary. Reading the other day, I think they say forty percent of people in jail can't read above a certain level. Wow! And so that's one of the things that uh, pushes is to just activate these adults so they have somewhere to go um, when there's such frustrating situations. Absolutely. So if somebody is listening right now and they know someone or they identify as mm-hmm. th- having this issue, is there a phone number they could call to get started? Yes, they can call us at uh, 910-353-0831 and leave a message. Um, because of cost, we don't maintain the office all day. We're, we're there from um, 10 to 2 okay. each day, um, and Monday through Friday, except for Thursday. And uh, that's to keep the cost down. Because our emphasis is all our money we earn goes back to the students. We spend very little on ourselves except rent and the things we have to. Yeah, the so space and things that are necessary. That are required. Mm-hmm. Well, that kind of goes right into, it sounds like you guys have a fundraiser that's coming up. So how can the community support you guys in this incredible mission that you're helping the community with? Yes, we got a golf tournament coming up next yes. month. And at the com- yeah, conference center. At the... Uh, Mine is at the country club, right? At your country club. Yep, we're there. We got this. And we've got, last year we had a bunch of teams um, and a lot of fun. They come out and have their day. They can buy, where they can help now is buy holes. Mm-hmm. Um, when they buy a hole, and there's some of the holes that, um, if they get a hole one, I, we've got it so they can get $10,000. Oh, wow. And there's other prizes. Steve's going to be first one to get yeah, that hole in one. Absolutely. <laughs> 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 well, we kind of watched it. Yeah, but. $10,000, it scares me just to think of that. But, oh, I know. But the, yeah, we'll have a $10,000 prize and there'll be other prizes for the closest of the hole and a couple other things. Um, we'll provide some sort of meal and some other things and meal lunches out there. And uh, like last year, it was just exciting. Well, I think, so how could we learn a little bit more about the golf tournament? Can we just give you a call or is there a place online it's listed? If you go to onsoliteracy.com, okay. which is our website, there's a link there that they can go to and actually click uh, and get more information on the golf course as well as how to sign up a team, um, how to sign up for the holes, and the various That's things great. that they can sign up for. So don't miss that opportunity for sure. It sounds like a good time and supporting a wonderful organization. Yes, it is. And then, so if golf is not their thing, can community members make donations throughout the year to the Literacy Council as well? Absolutely. And it, the same way we can donate through our website. Uh, and the other where they can help us is, and, and it helps them too, is that we always are looking for volunteers. Being in a military town, we're looking for volunteers for tutors um, that can work with the students. We train our tutors, tutors so they don't have to be a teacher. Right. Um, so they can come in there and we'll, we'll work with them on how they can become a tutor and some things, characteristics on so literacy. We're looking for people for our fundraiser committee, our outreach committee, our finance committee, all the committees to back up the uh, board. Um, we also look for people that can um, work on the board. And by the way, we're all volunteer. We have one pay position, that's administrative position, um, to keep the paperwork and, right. and, and that stuff in line. But everything else is volunteer. Well, I would say to anybody that's listening that if you have a desire to help the community in a very special way and through the stories that we heard today and the many more that have been told throughout the years – you can change a person's life by being part of the Literacy Council. So let's give them the phone number one more time. So if somebody would like to call and get more information. Okay. 
800-458-0831. All right. So give them a call or visit their website. And what was that website again? OnsLiteracy.com. That's pretty easy, right? It's pretty easy. Yeah. So remember, you can volunteer, you can donate. And if you are someone that needs a little assistance, you can do all of those things by calling or visiting their website. Thanks so much, Curtis. Get in the driver's seat with FlexPay, a payment plan that puts you in control. With it, you can purchase electricity when you want in amounts that fit your budget. There's no security deposit, no disconnect, reconnect, or late fees. Ready to get rolling? Sign up for FlexPay today at joemc.com forward slash FlexPay. Well, folks, that'll do it for this episode of Flipping the Switch. Until next time. If you don't currently follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or any of our other social media channels, consider doing so. It's the best way to keep informed about what's going on with your cooperative. Thanks again.